This is the Audio Podcast, episode 106, with Baited FX, recorded March the 4th, 2014. Hello, I'm Samuel Freeman, that was Scott Hewitt. We also have Adam Yanch over there, and yes, indeed, we are back with the Audio Podcast, as usual. We seem to be settling into a regular Tuesday recording now, which is nice, after moving it around a lot. And yeah, and the, um, yeah I'm looking forward to the quiz this week. Let's... It's going to be good. Okay. All right. It'll prove to be good. Yeah, we got we got our standard sections today. Remember, you can follow the audio podcast in a number of ways: Twitter and YouTube uh, at the audio podcast. Just you know, twitter.com audio podcast, youtube.com audio podcast. You can follow um, our show notes, which we actually follow live in the show. You can actually read them as we're going through them. That's theaudiopodcast.co.uk forward slash show forward slash one oh six. And there are various other ways that you can get in touch and follow the show. So maybe we should start. Yeah. Straight into the news, perhaps, then? Yep. Yes. Um, yes, let's do that. So Steinberg have released an update for the uh, CIT USB audio interface. They have indeed. They've changed what the, um, the operating systems are available for. So it's now available for... Well, it's fixed for OS X 10.9 and Windows 8.1, but they've also dropped off the older ones, so now the minimum spec is um, 10.7, is it? Yeah. Yep, and Windows 7 SP. I don't know what the Windows one was before, but yeah, it's no longer <laughs> available for the fix drops off 10.6. So, yeah. uh, your, guy, you, you, your guy's operating system is numbered. The well, operating it, system stays are numbered. I was Absolutely. about to say, in, in classic the audio podcast style, immediately segue away from the show notes, um, it, it is true, I'm saying it, um, Apple have announced but not officially stated that the support for 10.6 is going to end, which is um, quite sad, really, actually. I, I feel sad about it. Not really. We're, we're, th- we're three generations past that now. You know, you, eight, nine, and... Seven, eight, and nine. So yeah, but you're into you know I, I have a collection of computers, you, you know because okay so the significance of ten point six is the fact that it's the last one that most hardware could, you know it it, it is the, the most current hardware that hasn't been kind of knocked off but now it's sort of stuff so saying so you can you know that's what it is and there's lots of cool features of ten point six which are crucial it was the last thing with Rosetta inside it to be mm-hmm. honest it was the last good operating system actually. That was made by anybody ever. You know, it has a proper file system. You can actually mm. save files and do save as is. There's none of this wacky Apple version control that doesn't quite work. Stand in the middle of it. It has a rock solid audio system. You know, like to contextualize it, the computer I am speaking to you right now has an uptime, which I believe is somewhere in the region of about two and a bit years. And you know, what I mean, you can like plug sound cards in, take sound cards out. It just doesn't break. This is how operating systems were meant to be. Yeah, when, but. You cool. haven't tried seven, eight, or nine properly, because if, I, you, if, if your ten point six has been up for two and a half years, that means you couldn't have done a long test of the more recent ones. So really, you're just—I'm not saying that ten point six is bad. I'm just saying that seven, eight, and nine are fine. No, I, I want to contextualize this up. What you're saying is that I should risk seven, eight, or nine possibly being fine while I'm sitting on something which is basically awesome. Well, at some point, you're going to have to upgrade. I mean, you're falling into the XP trap. And XP is a lot older than 10.6, and it is just about to go out of its support window. But the difference XP there is that never people... worked. 
No, no, but people continued supporting it. I mean, you can, like, up until very recently, hardware was still saying XP compatible because people were still running it. But I, I yeah, when they, when I looked at the options for new computers around the time of 10.7 coming out, I was just terribly, I was just put off. It's like, there's all, everything that's new about this operating system compared to 10.6, I don't want. I don't want any of the things they've changed. None of it appeals to me. And since then, they've gone down the avenue of those changes increased. I'd say I was skeptical about certain features in 7.8.9, particularly Gatekeeper. And I wasn't so sure about the file system stuff. But you know what? It's fine. It really, like, you just get used to the file system, and it's not even implemented that way for every app. So probably your old music apps will work the same. But and Adam, Gatekeeper hasn't been a problem. But Adam, you just said it there. You get used to the file system. I, I shouldn't need to get used to the file system. It, the <laughs> file system should work. It's it shouldn't there. require conceptual changes in stop. my mind. It, the new one works, and it's there to stop people from spending hours on a Word document, and then their, their computer crashing, and then they're losing it because they've forgotten to save it. That's what it's there for. Um, I, you know I'm not going to convince you guys, but no, uh, no chance at all. But uh, audio audio podcast listeners out there, you know, I'm sure many of you use 10.7, 8, or 9, and it's fine, no problem. You know what, audio podcast listeners out there, I would recommend that you find an OS you like, get a stable install that you like, and then you stick with it. Because I'll tell you, I like, you know, I've been sat on 10.6 with a variety of kind of increasingly out-of-date kind of bits of software, and I, you know, it works. Every day I come here, it sit, I sit down and it works immediately. I have to do nothing to it. You, you don't get minor revision updates that break things immediately followed by a minor revision update that comes the day before, you know what I mean? And, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's stable, it's solid, it allows you to get on with your day. You don't spend your life trying to support a computer system. Yeah, which, I mean, because I, awesome. I spend 95% of my day supporting my computer system and not to, and not actually making music in Mac OS 10.8. It's it's just terrible. It's awful. They go from from Adam himself. You know. And uh, that was sarcastic. Just, <laughs> just so everybody knows, I was being sarcastic. Oh, I, I just couldn't resist that. I'm sorry, Adam. That was very <laughs> very poor. So there you go. Some insightful uh, insightful coverage from the audio podcast regarding the delights of 10.6, the world's greatest operating system. Um. <laughs> Or not? Oh, maybe so. On, on a serious point of view, this does—you know—this is a serious issue because uh, with 10.6 support being dropped, 10.6 uh, will become a mess of, you know, security problems and all sorts of liabilities in this sort of case. So, essentially, with the dropping of support, there is, there is no other option really, other than to start to consider, than to consider moving forward to other things. And I suspect for a lot of people, such as you know, because. And a significant part of it is actually also, you know, hardware associated costs and things like this. I have, you know, second generation MacBooks which are grossly underpowered in in terms of memory requirements for, for that kind of operating system. Basically, you haven't things. upgraded your computer in about seven years. It still works. Like why would you up, why what's the point in upgrading it? Because you just said because you're running into the, the memory limit and the processing limit of that hardware. Well, in, but not in real. You see, this is this interesting point, isn't it? Where we actually some of the basic fundamental audio editing we we did we do we did ten years ago quite happily as well, sort of stuff. So I mean, insane is 
I, I, I don't want us to get too distracted by this because we could talk about it for hours and hours and hours, but the, the point I would, you know, the observation I'm sure we're all acutely aware of is nowadays operating systems make basic requirements which are far in excess of what was, you know, the cutting edge requirements. You know what I mean? Just, just booting the machine and having it sit there is, you know, a colossal, requires significant resources nowadays. Whereas years ago, you know, I mean, machines booted and basically ran off the equivalent of your watch. And we're quite stable. You know, we're very happy doing that. And I think there's lots of concerns about that. So. I just want to add there that, yes, to have your computer running, just sitting there in the background, maybe, yes, you don't need all of that, all of those computing resources. But that's a useless computer that's just sitting there doing nothing. Once you actually start doing stuff with the computer, you need more. And it's to do with, you know, particularly on, on the Apple platform, it's to do with the, the, the graphics stack, things like that. That's why you need a bit of power to make it do all the stuff and look nice and whatever, you know. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up because I usually sit out of these debates. So I'm going to, like, <laughs> conclude it and move us on. So we got onto that because we, that was a hardware update. Well, it was a software update for a particular piece of hardware. New software has been not supporting 10.6 for a while. That's my, that's my only input onto that. And then we segue into the next vehicle <laughs> by saying that a Segway is actually a trade name for a two-wheeled motorized vehicle. And the next thing, and the next story is Hiss and Raw asking for any suggestions about what vehicles they may include on their next sound library. They should include a Segway. Yes. Great suggestion. And if you wish, Sam, you could actually submit that via their online form, which is quite simple and easy to use. Uh, would you guys suggest any particular vehicle? Other than the Segway. Other than the Segway. I like the Segway <laughs> idea. I don't know. A new, a, new, a new breed of electric cars. Actually, in their blurb, they mentioned using that. For, I'm getting tyre recordings on different surfaces. They're using a hybrid car so that you, they can record the sounds of the tyre on the different surface without the engine. That's Good cool. Idea. Yeah. So we should say Toyota Prius, uh, the the new Tesla electric sports cars, those kinds of ones. We, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know if, I don't want to go as far as to say we should say that, but it's. <laughs> I mean, it's no use to me. I don't use any of those things, so I'm I'm going to stay way out of it. Excellent stuff. So Waves are currently running a, a sale on a on their most popular plugins, including a Platinum, the One Knob Series, and J37 Tape. Yes, and if you go to their website, you can actually get a nice good rundown of all the prices that you can save. In particular, the Platinum uh, box set, which is 40 plugins, over 40 plugins, down from $1,600 to $749. Wow. So if you wanted to get a lot of Waves plugins, now's the time to get them. Okay, more offers on discounted stuff and also more audio um, sound libraries. The recordist has March as Crazy Animal Month. He's got 50% off Pig's HD SFX, making it $15. And um, the Evil Dog sound effects library has also got 20% off. Yep. To get those discounts, you need to use the code, uh, the 50% off code for the Pig HD, Pig's HD SFX is this little piggy. And the 20% off code for Devil Dog HD SFX is Devil Made Me Do It. The codes on, uh, I, I, I think we might be, yeah, you know. the codes are in public domain, but I don't know how many other people have actually, you know, we, we got permission to put them in public domain, shall we say. So, there we go. It's fine, it's fine, you're covered, you're covered. And you're also covered for last week having mentioned uh, Sibelius 7.5 
was going to be released. It actually has been released. Hey, indeed so. Now, before we go on, I can look little rumor here, which is after extensive discussions, there is a chance that a member of the surveillance team is actually going to join us to tell us about this in a few weeks' time. So that's very exciting. So both of you, guard your uh, guard your tongues here with any insightful criticism. I can't criticize Sibelius because I don't use it. Is that, is that a criticism? <laughs> Not at all. Perfect answer. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Sibelius, we, we joked, didn't we, with, uh, with, with, with the Steinberg guys about, you know, what, what do we really need in notation software that we don't already have and these kind of things. But, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit, but this new kind of expressive playback and the way that you can, like, kind of inform the player and try and get some idea of the play, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's a really interesting idea. I, I have many arguments with performers about the implied implications of, of notation, and it really upsets me because I always get really, you know, they're like, oh, you, you know, lots of people are like, oh, you can't, you've got to use Western notation like this, and it has to be like this. Then you discover that it has to be like that, but then different people imply different things based on different practices anyway, so it's all slightly... You know, I mean, there's like a filter being applied and this kind of thing. And I think it's interesting that they've actually taken what is probably a very significant part of Western performance practice and have, you know, included it into their playback engine. Because let's face it, um, you know, Sibelius, Sibelius playback of audio is one of... Sibelius playback of notation prior to this was probably one of the least helpful compositional things you could do. Like, I used to have students who would hit play on their Sibelius file and out would come some, you know out came something horrific, basically. And it's like, that doesn't sound like anything like what a player would make it sound like. So you should, you know, just ignore what comes out of here, please, I think. And I think that's cool that that's something they focused on and fixed it, and it sounds much more convincing now, the versions that they have. So I think that's that's really kind of cool. I, like that. I, I would suggest that maybe for that week, if we could maybe rope in someone like Scott McLaughlin to join Ooh. us. Because yes. I, I, I've already said I don't really have any experience with Sibelius. I understand the whole playback stuff, but I, that's not how I make music. I'm not so sure about Sam. No, I have to do very much scoring at all. So it would be good to have, if, if we could have an, an extra bod on the show uh, Ooh, for that okay. interview in particular. But anyway, I mean, let's see. Let's see. I, I like that idea. I like that idea, Adam. We will... Uh... So have we actually have we gone into any more details on Sibelius other than it's called Espressivo Two, the uh, the playback expression thingy me jig. Oh no, that's a, what, a, you know that, that that was my big highlight. Otherwise, you know, I mean, if you're a Sibelius user, then you're probably interested in this. It um you know, it it has all it has a whole lot of new kind of fixes in there. Um, has deeper integration with um using a. Uh, Using Sibelius first and uh, with score exchange as well, so that's kind of cool as well, like that and things. So you know, what I mean, I'm saying, how can one put this? We've had lots of coverage about this thing, but I actually think that Avid are actually probably doing a, Avid are doing a really good job with Sibelius in respect to making Sibelius the kind of thing that fits into Avid's way of working. So Avid have definitely done a good job of moving Sibelius to the point where you could where they're speeding up the workflow. Like, I, I think you could seriously consider using Sibelius to score out something to hand to a group of players to record, and that being a kind of very quick, easy easy kind of thing. And the online sharing and the iPad integration stuff that they're working on is definitely part of that, and I think it's a great idea for them. So, you know I mean? I'm coming out in supporters. You know what? something that's really awesome, though? If you want to, you can get a free trial online. 
install it and have a play and see if it's for you. So there you go. We love our free trials, don't we? As they say. Yeah. Let's go on. Native Instruments. Native Instruments yeah. have a Spring Break special. I think it's for all of this month. Yeah, all of March. Um, you can if you buy the Tractor Control X1, you'll get Tractor Pro 2 for free. Oh yeah. But but Native Instruments, please please please, um, a discount on uh, Machine Studio. That'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, the um, yep, okay. Let's uh, move on. <laughs> I was exchanging email with Native Instruments Press today, actually. So they're going to think that's a plan. It's not a plan. Adam didn't know. Adam no, didn't I know. had no idea, but I do really like the uh, the Machine Studio. Hey, Scott, could you swing it so that they could send us a Machine Studio and I can give it a little play and actually do a bit of a review on the show? I'd be up oh, for that. Could. I'd be up for that. Well, and we know that any review you would offer would be insightful and exciting. That is, um, have we got to that story actually yet? Oh, we're getting there in a minute. So when we talk about reviews here momentarily, I'm, I'm prompted. Sam, have you? Uh, so Reason are announcing announcing for beta testers. Have you? Uh, have, have indeed. you looked I've, at this yet? I've not really. I got as far as noticing that you need to sign in with your um, with your Propellerhead account, and there is a audio podcast Propellerhead account. We we looked at Reason Seven when it was brand spanking yeah. news, didn't we? So. Yeah, I may sign up for this, but I, I wouldn't like to sign up for some sort of beta testing thing without knowing that I've got time to, you know, committing time to it. And it's the problem of hardware again. The only way I could use Reason Seven was to borrow a laptop that had a operating system that could handle it. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I do. There is. I have access to a different piece of hardware now, which is an older thing that runs Windows Seven, which last time I was running it on Windows Eight. Um, so we'll have to see. We'll have to see on that. See, we're falling, we're falling off the edge, Scott. You and I. It's going mm. back to the, what we were saying earlier. It's dropping off the edge of what well, new things can do. The Jeep, my G5 rocks. <laughs> In the corner. In the... <laughs> Let, Dave, do not get me started at that again. Do not get, get me nope. started again. There. But if you are a Reason user and you want to get involved with beta testing for the new version, then you know there's a call for beta testers out now, so go check it out. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Um, it's great to see that we are not the only podcast which spends a significant time in, in self-referencing uh, and consideration of personal achievements. So uh, <laughs> happy birthday, Pro Tooler blog. Uh, congratulations on seven years. It's, I'm a big fan of Pro Tooler blog. Um, I, as I'm sure they're aware, sometimes we, saw, sometimes we use them as the source of material and stuff, which is cool, and I know they reference us sometimes as well. And that's fine. So, you know. Happy seven years Pro Tool blog, and we hope there's at least another seven to come. Which I think and is and we would sing, we would sing Happy Birthday, but it's actually copyrighted, and we'd have to pay a license fee. Yeah, yeah. I I question that as a, I've, for a long time, for I've been questioning that as a tradition. Like I don't. Oh, I don't it's like, completely it's, wrong. It's, it's I mean, ridiculous. it's completely wrong. But I mean, that's my opinion. That's my opinion. It's completely wrong. But. The law, there's law. I think it, there might be a there might be a lawsuit going through the American legal system that's trying to overturn that whole thing. Or it might not be Happy Birthday. It might be another song that's similar. Didn't uh, we? Didn't we talk about that in the show notes? In the, show I, the reason I bring it up now, which I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have done except that Adam started it, um, is that on the Pro Tool <laughs> blog, <laughs> on the Pro Tool blog Happy Birthday Us post, they've um, got a nice birthday cake picture which is cited to techieville.com saying that belongs to them, not them. And if you click through to that, then it's talking about um, research which shows that 
when you go through some kind of ritual before eating food, like such as singing happy birthday and blowing out candles before cake, you enjoy the cake more than if you didn't, apparently. So it says. Ah. So although I question the ritual, um, maybe it's just the song that I should question. Maybe there should be a better song that could be Maybe sung. that's why cake is so popular. That should be like cake. cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Because I'm always like, mm, not so sure about cake, but that's a that's a topic for the cake blog, not for the audio podcast. The cake podcast. The cake podcast, which will be coming to you Thursdays <laughs> at uh, 2 p.m., chaired by me and Sam and some other insightful guests in the cake making community. Let's move on. That's correct. And in show, <laughs> and in show number 89, we actually talked about the Happy Birthday Saga, as reported by Arts Technica. So currently, Time Warner earn around two million a year from licensing Happy Birthday. That was. Uh, but as I recall, they don't really have a dubious claim to it. Is that, weird? That, that, that is indeed the case. If you want to hear, you can hear us talk about it um, on show eighty nine. There you go. How cool is that? The audio podcast uk slash show slash eighty nine. It just makes me think of there's an episode of Futurama where they sing. A happy birthday song, but because it's set a thousand years in the future, that the birthday song is completely different, so they don't have to pay the royalties. It's a great little insider joke. Yeah, fantastic. Now, at this point, we once again diverge from the show notes, but we don't actually diverge from the show notes because people won't know that we have diverged from the show notes because <laughs> the show notes have changed. This <laughs> is a fantastic thing here. But the reason for it is, is that the final item that was in our notes today. Was is actually something which is no longer valid because the promotion it refers to has ended. ended so that's just to let you know that while the audio podcast, while the main purpose of the audio podcast site is indeed for the show that we record apparently on Tuesdays weekly, there is lots of <laughs> other bits that appear on the site which don't make it into the show. So Hold on, can I just stop you? It says it said through fourth of March. So is it? Does that mean it's still active today and it will stop tomorrow? Yeah. But so it's, we could still do it. We could if you're watching live, I suppose you could go and do that. Um, sometimes it takes a few hours for the podcast to be, for the audio podcast itself to be published through iTunes and by the time and iTunes, yeah. and things. So here's, here's the caveat then, right? So if you're listening to this before the 5th of March, then there's, an, uh, there's a discount on Isotope Alloy. But Scott, you um, also linked to a, um, a PDF document that's been published, which is about mixing with Isotope, which oh, remains present true. and valid. That's true. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I will add it back to the show. Then it's back in. It's back in. Tell us <laughs> about it. Remember? Tell us about it. Well, that, that, that's pretty much it. It's called Mixing with Isotope, and it's a seventy-page PDF which talks about all kinds of mixing techniques using their tools, which I don't know, I haven't looked at it closely enough to know whether or not they'd be applicable or transferable to similar other technologies, but maybe I, they I are. Would, I'd like yeah. to think that okay. they should be. I'd like to think so. Indeed they are. It's, it's a great read. It, it really is a very high-quality read. It's, it's worth, um, you know what I mean, it, 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 it demystifies alloy. It, it demystifies alloy, which I think is really cool, but the other really great feature is it, it, it is applicable. You can you can take the ideas and apply them elsewhere, which I think is really exciting. It so, should definitely be in the show notes then. So you can find that the show notes, the audio podcast.co.uk forward slash show forward slash one zero six. And with that, we come to the end of the news. There's an all new, there's an all new section in the show notes now. Woo! It's the quiz section. We need, we need, oh, no, 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 I won't say that. Um, <laughs> So, so we start with last week's questions and the answers to them. 
I asked what was the f when was the first Tascam four-track recorder and what was it called, etc. The answer was 1979. It was the Porter Studio 144. I mean, technically, it was made and released by Teak, but um, they own. Oh like, wait, a Tascam is wait, a, a Tascam is a sub kind of name of them. I don't know what the technical term. Oh, I'm not sure if I like this. Oh, oh okay. So now we have to find out when the, what was the first one that was released under the name of Tascam. Well, that Rick. was the question, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. dear me. I'm saying, let, let's face uh -oh. it, apparently, according to, apparently, as demonstrated by Adam, there are no limits to how long the question can be. So, yeah. actually, we can demand this sort of level of precision. In well, there is, a, there is a limit now, because Scott has decreed yes, that all true. questions must be tweetable. Must be tweetable. So, yes. that means 140 <laughs> characters. I, do, I think mine all fit in that. Uh, my question from this for this week will... Uh, but unfortunately, Quizmaster Sam has been undermined slightly. I have, I have. I got my own question wrong there on a technicality. 1979 okay. was not the first Tascam port studio at all. I'll tell you what, Sam. You can have a look for the answer now. I will go to my question from last week, which was that uh, in the year 2001, there was a company that's well known for MIDI hardware. It released a, uh, a, a box that hosted multiple Yamaha SW1000XG PLG daughter boards. And I want to know the name uh, name of the company and the name of the product. It is the Kenton Plug Station. Kenton Plug Station. Go to the notes and you can see a review of it um, that Sam and Sam did back in 2001. And my question was, when was the Moto 828 originally released? And the, the HA was first released in 2001. I put a link to an original review from Sound on Sound, and also, as a random little tidbit of information, the Mark 1 828 was the only sound card to be included in Sound on Sound's most 25 influential products of all time. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. How about it's that? interesting how our two questions were very related to the year 2001. Yes, unintentionally so as well. It's fantastic. We both started doing music technology at the University of Huddersfield. I think that's irrelevant. I don't think it's. At, I think it's a coincidence, really. I have the answer. I have the, I have the correct answer, everybody. Uh -huh. um, I think that the it was the follow-up to the 144, which was called the Porter Studio One, um, O N E, which was Tascam branded, and that was in 1984. Sam, I anticipate a comment on the uh, on the quiz story highlighting the change to the answer. That's, <laughs> that's it. Okay. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll change the answer. I'll, I'll add an amendment. <laughs> and now, well, you, actually, actually, Sam, you can edit the story. Edit the story and make it amended perfectly. That'd be fine. But we should get to this week's stories first of all. So let's get Sam's question before he amends our amends the answer. Perfectly. Okay. So this week I am asking, what was DigiDesign originally called? The company that we know as DigiDesign was um, founded under a different name. And what was that name? Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. My, My question. Qu oh, story elements. Oh, I got in there first. My question is: Emu released four four sister sound modules to the Proteus 2000. Name them and describe each of specialization. So the Proteus 2000 was like the the, the, the big daddy, and there were four uh, kind of cut down ones that specialized in particular kinds of sound. So uh, that's my question. Go ahead, Adam, Scott. where do you come up with this stuff from? It's my 
It's my my knowledge. Are, are these just are these just things that you just think about, spend your time thinking about? It's like, like, well, yeah, oh, I mean, I tell you that Proteus. Oh man, those system modules for those Proteus two thousands were awesome, weren't they? Proteus two thousand is a great module. I've got one in my <laughs> studio right now. Oh, uh, okay, that makes sense. Logic. There's a bug, bug in logic that stops me from using it properly, which is really exciting. Oh, Adam, Adam has, there, has, has there been an update to logic this week? Oh, good <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I had a look January. There was one in January last. It's not like it was. Yeah, was one, has been one this year. Ten point zero point six was released in January. Well done. January fourth, I think, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so and that it was, didn't fix my problem. Was that the one that was due in September or something? I don't know. I have no idea. But I'm waiting for the next one because hopefully that will fix my uh, my problem that stops me using my lovely Proteus 2000. Scott, what's your question? <laughs> my question is, how old is the SM58? As in, as in the microphone made by sure. Oh, okay, the microphone. Okay, good. Is there another SM58? No. I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and you mean the, orig the original, not like the beta or... Yeah, no, I, I don't mean how old is the one that's in front of my face right now, no. I mean, like, in general, the microphone classified as the SM58, when was it first released? How old is how old is the design? There you go. Okay, so there you go. That, those I, are the I believe we've even mentioned that in the show. I think we celebrated one of its birthdays, didn't we, in one of the shows? Yeah, yeah, well, I think everyone should go back through all of the audio podcasts <laughs> from the first one to find out all of that information. That... Or, yes, or a Google search will rock as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we'd get the extra plays, so it'll look better on our account. Anyway, so those are the three questions. <laughs> Excellent stuff. So let's get into the plunder. Their their end is oh, you should if you want if you're like there are there are no prizes for the quiz. It's just purely for fun, and we enjoy doing it as is quite apparent, I think. But um, did anyone answer the questions? I haven't checked this week. If anyone answered, I, I apologise. I don't know if anyone. Scott, did you I, check? I don't Twitter? think so. I, I don't think we got any anybody answering this week. I think when you have a competition which has no prizes, people kind of rightfully uh, don't answer the questions. Though interestingly, a lot of people did actually view the web page. Which is quite funny. Okay. because well, I got a whole load of uh, I got a whole load of errors on the site while I was quickly adding in the new quiz section because I I did that really bad web dev thing where you edit a live site just because you can't be bothered to do it properly. So <laughs> we've all done it. We've all done it. But I, I have to say that there might be an answer for why maybe over Twitter not many people. You don't like the atting, do you? I see. That. No, no, no. The atting's fine, but you're not doing it right. You have to put a, a symbol before the the at, because otherwise it's a mention, and only the person who is mentioned will see it, or that all the people who follow both you and the person you're mentioning. Oh, so is that, that's why you put dot at whatever. That's why you put a dot, or you can put a tilde or a, a letter or something, but you have to put something before the at if it starts with a mention. If it starts, I see. I and see. Then, every, then everyone will see it. So it's just a, it's a tiny little thing. It's a little Twitter quirk that uh, you kind of pick up on once you've been using it for a little while. Mystery solved. I've often wondered why some certain things are seen and not others. Well, there you go. There you go. How about that? It's awesome. Let's get into um. Let let, let let's get into let's get into the plunder. So. Uh, Arr. There we go. So first of all, I, I thought this was awesome, but um, a company called Quello, uh, Quello TV, who um, basically is a Netflix of concerts and documentaries about of music, which which I thought was really really cool. Um, and 
obviously it's a, they have a paid service which gives you an on-demand service, but something they do have is a constantly streaming uh, Quell TV which just plays concerts, which which is just playing things from their library constantly out, like regular programming. So um, I'm saying obviously the appropriate remark is to point out that that means that YouTube is now is now only good for watching cats and obviously the audio podcast because mm-hmm. you need no longer go around. Because I used to love watching concerts on YouTube. That was one of the big things I used to do, listen yeah. to music, bootlegs, and concerts. So the only three, there are three things that YouTube does, and, and that's concerts, cats, and the audio podcast. And one of those three things has now been usurped by Quello. Well, that's true. Um, Adam, oh, no, it's not Adam. Oh, oh, wow. You guys have both added amendments to the story. Please, please go ahead. <laughs> what did you add? Oh, my amendment was like to watch out for the autoplay. I mean, every YouTube link that we put autoplays, so like in a way it's kind of null, but yeah, this one in particular caught me out. I was like, oh, what's the little sound coming from? And it was the Quello TV playing some random music at me. So, you know, all, all well and good, but yeah, I thought due warning there. What have you added to it, Adam? Um, I added that the concert that it started up with, because I, I fell foul of the autoplay as well. Um, the concert it starts up with does have some swear words in it. So uh, I think that's so, different every time, though. I don't. I think that. that yeah, it'll link, depend yeah. on what concert it starts playing. But um, just to say that I think it's 18 plus. You can't. You can't assume that it's going to be safe. Uh, and it is basically NSFW. NSFW. I think there are different channels, though, aren't there? Are there not different channels? Maybe I I don't know. I'm saying it was just something that. Well, that's just the one that started when I went to the main website. So, or to the link that you posted. So, just Fair a just a I, I have to be honest. Somebody threw me an email and was like, "Hey, Scott, check this out. I think you really like this." And I was like, "Hey, that's cool. That go and that's audio podcast plunder." And then that's I just sat there and listened to a concert. Like you know, he just sat there in the background and enjoyed the concert. So it, it seems yeah. to me that this this whole uh, tele concerts thing, uh, concerts happening across space, um, is actually become very popular because Sound and Sound has been uh, started a series in the most recent issues about services you can use to do it, and I think they'll go into more techniques and these kinds of things. And maybe that's more about actually doing performances at home and people. Your audience basically being online, so it's it's a live concert over the internet, but without a like you're not playing to an audience in the room. So it, this is a nice, an interesting little kind of part of that new thing that's coming out. And while while you're waiting for a concert to begin, inevitably there's always a little bit of music, mm-hmm. some cold music perhaps that just just fills your time and enriches your life. Adam. Well, yes, and you know, you, you could be lucky to to get uh, some some decent pop tunes. You might be very unlucky, get through to Nat West and hear this awful thing with a cheesy saxophone. That's one that I remember quite well. Um, there's another tune that this other chap um, was so obsessed by that he had to go. And, he, he he actually kind of went to find out who made it, and it turned out to be Cisco's, the the network. Um, hardware manufacturer, uh, their whole music, which is very interestingly, uh, it was recorded on a four track, and then it was just lying around, and then one of the, I think it might be a friend of an engineer who worked at Cisco, um, was like, here, you could use this music in your hold system, and so there it is. There's, it's a lovely story about how uh, one man found out about um, this hold music, and if you go to the link in the audio podcast notes, you can hear the music. It's on YouTube, 
and it is phenomenal. <laughs> there we go. But Fantastic. The, really, the, 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 the message of this whole post is that you don't have to, if you're doing music, you're doing music with technology, you don't have to cater for, you know, the pop crowd or you don't have to make these amazing things. Do what you do and you can still be successful. Fantastic. Thank you, Adam, for words of warmth and encouragement. Okay, I'll take the last piece of plunder this week. I'll also um, mention a, um, an audio podcast show website hack that I've come across, which is um, that if you put slash show slash plunder, then it will list all the plunder Ooh, from yeah. all the shows. Nice, I'm going to try that right now. Um, which I've done now to get the title of this one because I had the link open but not the title, and the title of it is Ardor Linux Soundcard Recommendations. I suspect that Scott may have posted this, but I've read it, and it's a really nicely written little art article um, on the Ardor website, which is very accessible. I thought I thought reading it didn't like frighten me like some of these things do, um, even though I know what they even though I, even when I know what is going on with them, the way that things are written can be like. Mm. But this is approachable and accessible, and yeah, and it's basically talking about recommendations for hardware which works with Jack. Yeah, mm. it's it, it, it's really cool. Um, you're you're right. I put it up there. I'm saying the thing you can actually take away from this further is that um, it, it's obviously designed to work with Jack. These are recommendations from Ardor, who obviously Ardor's main focus is Linux. I'm saying like the the OSX package for Ardor is in limbo at the moment, and the Windows package has never been stable. But um, their main focus is on is on is on Linux. And one of the interesting things about that is um, obviously Linux is built on sort of standards compliance. You see, so what you've actually got there is a list of sound cards which are standard standards compliant, which means that they don't have weird drivers, they don't have weird driver bugs, and they will they will basically work forever, sort of style like that. Like you mean you won't be able to put them. Yeah, they're they're class compliant. Okay, so those those are the ones that like that you could plug into a Mac, say, and you they don't, just work. Yeah, you don't have to download the drivers for. Yeah. Cool. cool. So, well, and it's the same. Like you can plug them into a Linux box, and they will just work. Plug them into Windows, and as long as the Windows implementation is is working fine, they will just work as well. So it's done So harking back to our conversation at the very start of the show about macOS 10.6, yeah. do you think that? I, I know what the problem is for you, though. I think it's there's a compatibility issue that you have that stops you from going to Linux and using Ardor. Yes, you're you're absolutely correct. Yes, but if that if if you had compatibility, would that be the way you would go? Would you say, okay, yes. I'm not going to go with macOS anymore. I'm going to stick with a flavor of Linux. We're going to run Ardor on that. I think I think it's worth considering continuing this conversation. Though we should probably say that we're rehashing the first the conversation from the beginning of the show just for fun. But having book said ending. that, book ending. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, no, it's nice, nice. I think it probably is. Yeah, I'm saying. So the, the problem I have is that I have two Motu sound cards. Um, I have an Ultralight and I have a Mark Two Eight Two Eight sort of stuff like that. In fact, I actually used to have a third as well, which I don't have anymore. The third one I gave away to someone. And while I say that's a problem, it's not actually a problem because the the well, the 828 Mark II is is an original Mark II 828. Now that is this was going to be a question, but that's a decade old as well, sort of stuff. So I'm surrounded by a collection of very well built, rock solid hardware that doesn't break. Like you know, I mean, I I don't mean this in a funny way, but if you've ever felt like an original 828, the things that you could like use them to prop up vehicles. You know, I mean, they're just solid metal. 
sort of style. Like, and it's the same thing. Like, the, the, my my eight two eight Mark II is exactly the same thing. It's just a block of metal. It's absolutely indestructible. I'm saying, <laughs> it's been dropped front first onto the ground. You know, like where all the dials are and everything. It's been dropped that way onto the onto concrete, and it still works with no like no impact whatsoever to it. So stuff like that. And this is the problem: is that you know, I I don't really want to get in the world of consumable disposable hardware because I want good hardware. I want, you know, I don't mind spending a lot of money for good hardware that lasts. I have no concern whatsoever with doing that. But what I don't want to do is start buying bad hardware that doesn't last. And that's, you know, I, I don't know what the, you know, I don't know what the versions of that would be or not. I haven't had an opportunity to play with the Thunderbolt 828 yet. I suspect I would be. I suspect that's probably the best answer for me in terms of a new interface. But at the same point, I'd be replacing. I'd be buying one of those and using it to replace it one of two near identical things that still work fine. You know what so I mean? Like, if, if uh, of the devices listed on, on the uh, website that we linked to in the show notes, yeah. so in compatibility, which one, is there one there that you would say, yes, I'll, I'd be happy to have that, and I'd be happy to move across to Linux and Ardor with this interface, or would it be... Is it completely show-stopping for you? No, no. I'm saying the, the clear, the clear pick I would probably suggest is the is the Army Firefaces. Mm. Apart from the fact that FireWire support is obviously starting to become problematic, you, you know, it's obviously problematic as well, sort of style in, in that kind of. Would you want to get a, a Thunderbolt, or would you consider USB? Um, the problem, well, I'm saying we're. we're we're getting into very kind of geeky technology about there's a fundamental problem with like there is a fundamental problem with USB in that it was designed for printers and mice. There's a fundamental problem on top of that though, which is class compliant USB two is only stereo both directions. So you're limited to just stereo, you can't have your multi channels. So for multi channel you need something in addition to class compliant and then you're relying on driver support and those kind of things. And the world of driver support for Linux hardware is a world of hurt. I understand that entirely. It really is because <laughs> you know what I mean it's like you gotta remember that we use the word Linux in a very you know as if it describes something. In reality it describes a minute part of what would actually be the thing that people are using, sort of stuff like this. And you know what I mean it's like You've got Alsa, OSS, Pulse. You know, there's three audio systems. Most people would then probably run Jack on top of their audio system. So, you know what I mean? It's, you know, you have all these levels of, you know, it's like if you want to make a sound card and make it work with this, you have all these additional levels on top of this to actually put together. And there's been various approaches to try and fix this, and I'm sure things will develop again over time, so stuff like this. But the fundamental question well, the fundamental point that I have about all these things is I'm not really worried about the fact that audio support doesn't work in, like, audio in Linux is still very problematic and very awkward, especially if you want to do multi-channel and you want to do high quality. It's still very problematic. But I have I have, I have two Macs on, on my desk, which are both running 10.6, both plugged into high quality sound cards. Both both of them have available to them ADAT extensions as well, sort of style like that. Which means I, I, you know, I can record far more channels and playback far more channels onto my computers than I ever need to, and run enough processing that nobody's like. There's been no point that anybody's ever kind of said to me, "Oh, Scott, we need you to do more processing for this to be usable." That's never been a phrase that anybody's ever said to me. So it's that like, you know, the work that I do that I get paid for continues on. You don't get process. stopped in the street and people say that to you. No, no, they they just don't say that to me. So, okay, no, that's good. so that, that's my so the point. The issue I have is that I have enough, you know, 
everything I need to do my work exists and it works fine and it has worked fine for you know the last kind of three years no problem at all and you know I'm you know and now the problem I have is with the end of support for 10.6 from a security point of view there will be a point sometime in the next year where some ridiculous virus appears and that will be it like you know what I mean I'll, I'll have no option but to essentially buy a new Mac buy a new interface with it and I'll have a Mac and th then the thing is what do you do because at that point do I destroy my Mac and my old interface probably not what I'll probably end up doing is giving them away to somebody and then I'll give somebody a Mac with an interface that works perfectly well which will offer them the equivalent of you know two thousand pounds worth of new investment essentially but has a has a fundamental security risk associated with it purely because Apple will not support the hardware anymore. Will not wouldn't, it be an anymore. wouldn't it be an option just to isolate it and not put it online? Surely any virus is going to come from the internet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and that's the kind of step you end up taking. Is, and so that's the kind of thing that you end up doing. And, you know, I actually have a, I have a network in here which is managed and has lots of, you know, has things in place. So, you know, that's the kind of approach I could probably take at some point in the future. But... You know, it shouldn't be expected of that. I, I think it's completely... Un I don't mind Apple saying we're not going to put new features in a 10.6. To be perfectly honest, that's great. Like, you know, as, as Sam kind of suggested, there isn't anything in the later... There isn't anything in 10.7, 8, or 9 that I'd like in 6 anyway. So I'm quite happy with 6 being orphaned in terms of features. But in terms of kind of basic support, I don't think it's acceptable that you can withdraw support at this point. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't say, here's a whole load of hardware which is now useless and we're also going to withdraw support. We're going to withdraw support and your hardware is useless. I, you know, I didn't mind them being aggressive with t in terms of shifting people from 10.5 to 10.6 because you didn't, you know, I'm right in thinking that everything made that transition, didn't it? Uh, don't know. There, there was a point where core duos were dropped, weren't they, because they didn't have 64-bit extensions. Yes. Um, but that, that was the previous one. So there is a core duo which has been orphaned before the core two duos which are now about to be orphaned, which are now about to be orphaned off the bottom. But... You know. Well, the thing is, it's we could argue this all day, and without Apple actually coming in and saying, "Well, this is why we do this." this well, is they why do it to save money. That's why. To, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it's completely reasonable. You've got to stop supporting. I mean, Moto are amazing in that they support sound cards that are ten plus years old. That's great, but you can't you can't expect everyone to do that. So, I just say that. Well, you know I think the answer is. I think the answer for you, Scott. iPad. Well, Get an iPad. iPad. Yeah, that's it. I think you're right. An iPad has solved my problems. Yeah, get an iPad. You can get well, an me... multiple input and output. Perfect. No problem. Yeah. Let me let me play with your let, let me play with your expectations. Just extend this show just a little bit longer. I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> simple. But as an illustration for you in terms of the thing I'm meaning, like for people who know me or for you know people I've been to on a regular basis will know that my day-to-day -day machine that I carry around with me is actually a Samsung netbook, which is pretty useless for audio work. It's you know what I mean. You know, when I'm mobile around the places, I'm usually doing presentations or I'm teaching or I'm doing programming and stuff like that, you see. And the feature of that is it's running a Linux install, and that Linux install boots at around about 32 meg of memory used. So it's that like that. And it runs a grossly underpowered CPU, which I then turn down even less, even more, so the battery life is even longer, because I can tailor that operate. I can tailor this machine to run a very, you know, to do what I want it to do and to not do a whole load of other things I don't want it to do, and it's very streamlined and very efficient to do that sort of thing. And the perform, I, I did once install this build on a full size, I have installed it on an i9 with 16 gig of RAM, 
and we ran an Ardor session in there as, as a demonstration for somebody, and we were both completely blown away by the level of performance you got from the machine because when you don't when you're not spending three gig on the operating system being in existence and because the operating system spends a lot of time managing itself when it's that big you get a lot more performance out of the hardware you've got and this this is a classic thing you know you, you buy if you think about it you buy a new computer and fundamentally what generally happens is a couple of new things appear but nothing is actually quicker even though you're you know even though the hardware appears like it's going to be you know, it's twice as fast. It's not. It never actually feels twice as fast because the you know, the new software just expands to fill in all the new resources that are available. And the, you know, I think that's the that's maybe the fundamental problem I have with people dropping support is that I suspect if you were to buy a brand new Mac today, install 10.6 on it, if you could, I think you'd probably probably be shocked at how fast it actually was in comparison to what they've given. But I, I know you wouldn't be able to. But that's that's what I mean. I think that's where you know. There's an element there. Anyway, this has been a beautiful extension to uh, to the audio podcast about Scott's pet hates about the uh, <laughs> computing prompted by Adam Yanch. Thank you very much for that, Adam. It was very cough off. No problem. No problem. I think sort of stuff like that. So perhaps, I, you know, if you want more Scott Hewitt ranting, feel free to do that. So <laughs> feel free and, to uh, let next us know. Week, next week, hopefully, we'll get Sam to go into a big rant about something because it's usually me. It's usually me and sometimes yeah, with you, Scott. But we need to get Sam in to rebalance the show. <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll figure out something for you to have around. That's you, Sam. Hi. Sorry, <laughs> I I had actually just set up a camera at one point there because I realised I was sitting back so far that um, I had gone out of shot. Um, <laughs> we got a phone somewhere, so. With this, I, we've made it to the end of the show. That's all there is to it. It's, it is the end of the show. Don't forget, you can uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. You can subscribe to us for iTunes, G-Potter as well. We're also, I think we're on Stitcher Radio now as well, but I haven't actually found us there yet. But somebody told me that we're on Stitcher Radio. I don't know. I haven't checked. Uh, there we go. But you could indeed put us on Stitcher Radio if you wanted to because we are licensed in such a way that you could do that as well. So, you know, very interesting. There. Don't forget, um, if you, you know, find the show notes at theaudiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash one. Oh, six. <gasps> oh! No! That's, that's the very first swear on the show, and I thought it was going to be me, and it wasn't. Oh, results. You know what? Yeah. My cats were horrified at that, and they can't even hear it. Oh, and I've oh. been Adam Yance, and I'm just amazed. I'm amazed. Thank you for listening to the audio <laughs> podcast. We'll be cleaner next week. We promise. We'll be cleaner next week. But before we go, we're going to do a second end. I've been Scott Hewitt. This has been a complete <laughs> blast. Um, and after that beautiful little edited out moment, I am Samuel Freeman. And I am Adam Yanch. And you will never hear what just happened. Oh, I think not. You will on YouTube. You will on YouTube, but you won't on iTunes. There we <laughs> there go. You go. Thank See you for listening. Later. Bye. Bye. Bye.